All right, everybody, we're back again to do a quick update. Today at 5.45 a.m., I got an update on the lieutenant colonel situation, and I want to clarify one error that I constantly repeated during the podcast. So first for the clarification, I was kept saying that he would probably be looking at charges under Article 93. I was wrong. It was actually Article 92 that it's looking like he's going to be charged with failure to obey an order or regulation. So the update is, as of this morning, it looks like he's facing four charges. Uh, some of them are pretty serious. So let's start with some of the basic ones. Article 133, which is conduct on becoming an officer and a gentleman. Any commission officer, cadet, or midshipman who is who is convicted of conduct unbecoming of an of an officer shall be punished as a court martial may direct. Article ninety two: failure to obey order or regulation. Here's where it gets a little bit serious. Oh, not a little bit. It gets a lot more serious. Uh, Article ninety: assaulting or willfully disobeying an superior commission officer. Any person subject to this chapter who willfully disobeys a lawful command of a person superior commission officer shall be punished. And probably what may look like one of the more most serious ones is Article 88. Contempt towards any official, any commissioned officer who uses contemptuous words against the president, the vice president, Congress, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of a military department, the Secretary of Transportation, or the governor, governor or legislature of any state, territory, commonwealth, or possession in which he is on duty or present shall be punished as a court-martial may be directed. So that's the update. Um, we'll see, I think it's still Thursday, whether he will be charged with these. Some of these carry, in a time of war, extreme punishments. Um, assaulting or willfully disobeying a superior officer, uh, and I believe conduct unbecoming in the time of war actually carries a penalty of death. Not that we're going to see anything near that, but this also goes into the podcast talking about, well, as I believe I stated, a person who is retired and receiving benefits are subject to the UCMJ. So you can look at someone like General Hayden, who was an outspoken Trump critic calling him a Russian asset. Uh, why would he not be charged with Article, 1, eight, Article 88? Um, again, this is all speculation, not saying X or Y, but this kind of in its own way goes to support the lieutenant colonel's assertion that when you hit a certain rank, a lot of these things don't apply to you. Um, I didn't even know what Article 88 was until I heard the report and looked it up. So you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Thanks. All right, you guys, we're back again, and it's Tuesday, September 28th. Uh, this is the day before the normal podcast goes out, which this will be posted tomorrow. But I thought I would talk about something different, and that's Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He is a Marine who became famous, depending on how you feel about him, or infamous for making a post on social media regarding 
how he felt senior officers handled the withdrawal from Afghanistan and also how he felt that accountability for their actions was limited and that they should apologize, step down, and resign from their posts. So why am I caring about this now? Um, is because this morning when I was checking out some YouTube videos, I saw a video where he has made, I think, three direct posts regarding this subject. All of which, all of but one of them, I think, were in uniform. And long story short, he basically threw his rank on the table and said that he was willing to be forced to read, uh, forced to resign his commission without a retirement because he's at 17 years. Well, this morning it was announced after his last video that was posted, which he made a long statement regarding how he felt that General McKenzie should be held responsible in some way other than just a, what's the word I'm looking for, a press conference accepting responsibility for the deaths of 10 Afghan civilians in the last airstrike we did in Afghanistan. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller was pending disciplinary action for his other videos and told by the disciplinary mechanism of the Marine Corps. I'm not sure whether he was facing charges at the time. It's a little bit confusing there, but he was taken into pre-trial confinement last night. So why does this matter? The guy is a 17-year lieutenant colonel, and I think he did bring up some interesting points. And I want to touch on a few of those points, both as a military retiree, as someone who had issues with the system while I was going through my thing. What we see in the current situation of how things are going when it comes to people who see defects and don't have a mechanism or a means to get their grievances aired in what I would call a unbiased fashion. And also that there does seem to be a E9 and O7 to O10 safety net, and we'll call it, um, where accountability is not done in the same way as it would be done if you were a junior enlisted or a junior officer. So a little bit of background on him. He was the commanding officer of Infantry Training Battalion East. So I guess that's the new name for School of Infantry. Um, I didn't do a lot of research on the command that he commanded. All I know is basically a bunch of young Marines leave boot camp and go to ITB. It's where they learn their basic infantry skills. So for any service, um, especially combat armed services like the Marines and the Army, boot camp is where they break you down, reshape you, 
and then you go to something like uh, School of Infantry uh, or what my little brother went through, which was MCT, Marine Combat Training. And that's where you learn a little bit more about your small unit tactics. You get more familiarized with the weapons. And so Infantry Training Battalion sounds like it is the evolution of ITB, or not ITB, I'm sorry, of uh, MCT and SOI. I'll clarify that. Um, it's really not important now. But so this Lieutenant Colonel saw a lot of young Marines that came into his schoolhouse and knew that they were going to Iraq or Afghanistan through the years. Uh, we can make some basic assumptions. He was there for at least a couple years, I believe, as a CO. Uh, in his videos that he posted in his Charlies, which are the equivalent to the Navy service uniforms, their khaki pant or khaki top, brown pants with your ribbon rack, you can tell that he has several decorations, including the combat action ribbon, uh, Iraqi, I look like it was the Iraqi campaign, the um, Afghanistan campaign ribbons. So he is an officer who has seen time overseas. If he has a combat action ribbon, he has been involved in combat. Uh, either taking fire or returning fire, depending on which version of the Marine Corps, which that's another example of what he was talking about. Depending on which CG you had in your theater, you had to return fire, you had to, you could receive fire but not return fire to earn this ribbon. So there was a lot of stuff that happens out there. That being said, um, this was not some admin guy standing up this was a guy who has seen combat who is actively training young marines to go to combat and he felt what he saw in afghanistan was horrible um in one of his original videos he questioned why bagram was closed before the evacuation happened uh in one of my previous podcasts when i was talking about afghanistan i said the same thing it there were some holes that don't make sense. And at the policy level, you know, ultimately the commander in chief makes a call on the policy and it is the responsibility of the military to follow that. Now, where I agree with a lot of what he said in regards to bad policy led to deaths of our own forces, including Marines, corpsmen, soldiers on the way out. It also led to leaving a lot of Americans behind. It also led to leaving a lot of Afghanis behind. Should we stay in Afghanistan forever? No. Should we have stayed in Afghanistan for another six months? Maybe. Um, like I said in the previous podcast, I'm a I am a huge fan of leaving party favors for the Taliban. And I said I would be open-minded to them while they're cutting people's heads off and hands off. And I just saw 20 minutes ago that the interim chancellor, which is an interesting name to use uh, for the head of the Kabul University, it, considering it's a Taliban, um, has now banned women from teaching and going to Kabul University. So a lot of what people feared was going to happen in terms of rights for women and other groups 
seem to be coming true and maybe six more months would have made a difference i don't know that's not what uh the colonel or lieutenant colonel was uh advocating he was advocating for responsibility so why did they pre-trial confine him as of the last time i checked which was uh what what time was this military times article uh at 3 10 p.m uh, it says military lieutenant colonel who demanded accountability and brig not charged. So probably what they got him on was that there he was pending some sort of either admin or legal uh, review regarding his resignation of his commission and asking for charges to be pres uh, pro uh, what, what was it? He said in his video that he was going to bring charges against General McKenzie. Yep. Apparently, in his video, he claimed that any officer can bring charges against fellow officers. I don't understand that. We really won't dive into that. Um, that may be something regarding the UCMJ that a battalion commander can bring. Um, we can go to the movie world where we see uh, go to Crimson Tide, Star Trek, all that, where it's like, to the CO, you are acting insane. We are going to, I, I as a lower ranking officer in assuming command, I don't know what his process or thoughts were on that and why he said that he was going to do that. But um, again, he made that video in uniform when apparently in earlier in the video, I think he said that they told him that he should not be making social media posts and he should not be making social media posts on in uniform. So here's where I find myself stuck. In 2006, 7, 8, 9, I was fighting my med board as a mobilized reservist who was trying to get um, care for what happened in Iraq. And... I kept running up against walls and I was making a stink. I emailed Congress. I, you know, I did all the things that uh, people do when they don't have a supportive or a, let me rephrase it. I had until 2009, a very sort supportive chain of command. I had a very, very supportive Navy liaison office. Around 2009, uh, Naval Operational Support Center San Antonio got a new CO and a new Command Master Chief. And if you listen to the Dana Gilbert podcast, you'll see exactly how I feel about both of them. Um, the Navy's in total intention was to get reservists off orders as fast as humanly possible. That's it. We, we don't care. Go see the VA. Take the med board. Whatever comes of that comes of that, but we want you off orders as human as fast as humanly possible. So I fought, I bitched. One thing I never did was go to the media. Social media did not really exist back then. And from my perspective of how I was at the time, that was probably a really, really good thing. Cut to many, many soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marine who have taken to social media and pled their cases and have thousands of people liking, sharing their posts. 
and a lot of them have gotten blowback from that and that's exactly what's happening with this lieutenant colonel is thousands of people and i don't want to make this political other than the fact that there is a lot of political side to it a lot of right-leaning people 100 percent support him and think he's being wronged and a lot of people who are completely supportive of the current administration think that what he did was inherently the second closest thing to evil that you could do here's the reality of it in my opinion the colonel seems to have been given a direct order by the convening authority so i'm not sure how itb is set up um the marine corps has tcom which is their training command that i believe oversees all training um i'm I'll make the broader assumption that there is a regimental commander, uh, probably a full bird colonel, who sits above the lieutenant colonel at the next level up, who said, hey, we tolerate your shit for the original post. Your second post was a little creepy, talking about manifestos and shit. Uh, didn't see the third post. But... We told you, cut the social media crap out. We told you, cut the social media crap out in uniform. Otherwise, we're going to have some severe issues. So, why does any of what I just said matter? Well, in the United States military, there is a uniform code of military justice. It's broken down in articles. Um, gonna consider them if you're a law enforcement guy or if you're anyone who's been on the ticketing side of, law, of the law enforcement guy, uh, you know, like getting traffic tickets or even being arrested. We have uh, civil codes and penal codes. Um, all of that is, there's a military version of that. And there is a military uh code for failure to obey a lawful order which is probably so tomorrow no thursday thursday they're going to be he'll be in court and find out what happens from there but the failure to follow a lawful order is a punishment that or a charge that can be brought against him and so my guess is they will probably be charging him with failure to obey a lawful order and a article i think it's article 93 so one of the messed up things about the military and a mil in the military justice system is they could get you for anything via an article i think i want to make sure i'm right um people fact check me i believe it's article 93 which is basically I don't like the way you're smiling. I'm charging you with the catch-all charge. So what will happen a lot is there's two forms of punishment, discipline, justice, however you want to call it, that can happen in the military. Typically, there is non-judicial punishment. What does that mean? Because I've heard a lot of people talk about NJPs or captain's masks in the Navy. It kind of glazed over it. So if you are... If your unit has you scheduled to muster or f be in formation, meaning 
everyone in your command is to be in one place at a certain time say we're going to have morning muster at 0800 so at 8 a.m in the morning and you're a no-show and you didn't call in you just overslept typically what would happen is your senior enlisted uh your immediate senior enlisted advisor uh myself being a chief to one of my corpsmen would send someone to, or start calling or send someone to start calling you get you to the command and sit down and i would probably have your leading petty officers of the first class counsel you or i would counsel you and we'd let that be let's say this is something that happens once a month so maybe by the second or third time all right, we're done with this bullshit. It's time for you to go see the old man. Ironically, now that we have women in command, I don't know that people call her the old woman. Sorry, that was a side note. But it's time to go see the old man. So what happens? I go to the command master chief on the Navy side and say, hey, look, seaman buttfuck uh, is constantly showing up late. He's constantly missing uh, muster. I've written him up a couple times. We need to take him to the next step. So what happens is you are given an article, uh, you are read your rights, just very similar to what would happen with the military. So if you're at a formal naval command, say maybe on a ship, they would send the master at arms uh, in the Marine Corps. It would be the MPs down to your space they would take you and have you report to probably the CMC, the command master chief, the sergeant major, uh, the head suit wearer for the Air Force. One of these days, I'm going to actually learn the Air Force ranks. And they would sit you down and say with the CMC and say, hey, here's what's going to happen. You are being charged with blank, blank article uh, for unauthorized absences. Then in the Navy, we do it a little bit different than the uh, than the other branches. Your first step would be going to, they would do an investigation. They'd take your statement. Uh, they would take your chain of command statements. They go, okay, there's something here. So first step for the Navy typically would be a disciplinary review board. You go into the chief's mess. A bunch of chiefs would tear you apart and you would answer questions and based off of what you said there they would recommend it to xoi or we're done at this level go up to xoi xoi is the executive officer so the xo executive officer would then kind of do the same thing you know ask you some questions uh determine whether or not what you did is to the level of taking up the time of the commanding officer again on board ship any rank who is in charge of the ship is the captain so you would go to the captain's mast and stand in front of him and he would charge you formally and say all right uh, seaman buttfuck you missed muster 10 of the last 20 days I'm sentencing you to a reduction in rank by one grade. I'm sentencing you 
to 30 days confinement on board ship and 30 days forfeiture or pay. And that's it. Doesn't go on any criminal record anywhere. There's no sign that once you get out of the military and the normal civilian world that you did anything wrong. Um, now, depending on where you're at and what the actual charge is, uh, the senior, uh, or not the senior, the skipper, the captain, or the commanding officer can recommend you have an admin review board. Let's say you did something stupid, like got drunk and punched somebody in the face and you got into a fight on base, off base, cops released you to your command and again, did not rise to the level of a court martial, stayed at the non-judicial non -judicial punishment level they can recommend an admin review board and an admin SEP. So there's a lot been, I've seen a lot of talk about this uh, regarding the vaccine mandates for the military, which I'm not going to get into how I feel about them, but a lot of people talking about dishonorable discharge and not quite understanding what that is. So we'll go to that because like I said, in a typical NJP, if you're two years in and you get captain's masted for UA because you're just an idiot and can't wake up on time, civilian world's never going to know about it. it. It's not a legal proceeding as much as it is an administrative proceeding. With the vaccine mandate for the military, as I've seen it so far, um, those who are getting separated for refusing to take the vaccine looks like it looks like they're going to get a general a uh, uh, general under honorable circumstances discharge so there is your typical honorable discharge there is a general discharge there's a series of administrative discharges there is an other than honorable discharge which is something that the lieutenant colonel we started talking about could be facing. I don't know that they would do that. And then there is the dishonorable discharge. There, from my understanding, there is no literal criteria for dishonorable discharge, historically speaking. Um, there was talk about back in the turn of the 19th century or the 1900s that people who were sleepwalkers could be dishonorably discharged from the Navy. Uh, obviously that's not a thing today, but typically a dishonorable discharge is given when a, I don't know if the word severe is the right word, but when there are certain felony criteria met that someone goes to court martial in. And so seeing that the lieutenant colonel is getting pre-confinement or pre-trial um, pre confinement, I forgot exactly what the word was. Uh, let's see. Yeah, pre-trial confinement, pending an Article 32 hearing. That means that he is probably going to go to court-martial. So... Court-martials are a lot different than 
non-judicial punishment, NJP's captain's mask. So let's take Seaman Buttfuck again and say he missed one muster on January 30th. Everyone in the command went looking for him, called him the whole nine yards. To this day, or let's say it's longer than, or more recent than January 30th. Let's say it was July 31st. It's now September 28th, so he's over 30 days unauthorized absence. Um, he's in a whole heap of crap. So let's say they find him at a casino in Vegas because now it's gone out. We have a missing sailor. He's pretty much hit that deserter mark, which once you hit that deserter mark, you go, the search goes to nationwide that you have abandoned your post. Basically you have walked away from the military. Um, and let's say he wants to fight it. He, a lot of times you'll see people who could go to captain's mass opt to go to, um, court martial. And there's different types. There's general, special, and summary court martials. The big ones to worry about are the, oh God, it's been a while. This is where the FMF book, uh, comes in handy. Let's see. General courts, marshals, Uh, it's been a while. Sorry, guys. I'm, i got to look this up. So a general court-martial is the most serious level of military courts. consists of a judge. So this is probably what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Shulin will be uh, looking at as a general court-martial. So a summary court-martial. Let me make sure I get this right. Summary court Let's see. What is the summary court? So a summary court martial is held within the command. The uh, the summary court martial consists of one officer who is not required to be an attorney or judge. It is frequently a line officer within the command. So let's say you did something stupid like stole money from your command, um, and it doesn't raise to the level of in the civilian world of felony. So you stole some money, command's pissed, you're trying to get out of it and you take a, a court martial. Well, what's going to happen is there's going to be, again, that whole Article 32, there's going to be an investigation. You will probably have gone through the steps of the DRB, the XOI, demanded a court martial. And then they send it up to the JAG office. The JAG office comes back and says, hey, um, we agree that these will probably go through, that this is probably the right thing to do is court-martial this kid. Um, you can get an attorney. I believe you can are afforded a JAG attorney. And then someone, some officer who has no judicial legal experience Unless you have, say, maybe a JAG officer in your command, which is typically not likely, that will sit and be the judge. It's a little sketchy. Um, not having any legal authority as far as law school and being a lawyer and then being a judge, it's subjective. 
in the case of a general court-martial, you're going to a full military trial. If you've ever seen um, JAG or NCIS, well, NCIS, though they didn't have it. Um, if you've seen A Few Good Men, it's a real courtroom. Uh, your defense attorneys are real attorneys. The prosecution is literally the United States government via a uniformed military member. And those are for higher crimes, uh, say fraud and things that would be considered higher felonies. So back to the lieutenant colonel. So he's made these social media posts about these flag officers. What's the big deal? Why is he in pretrial confinement? He resigned his commission. Why isn't he out of the Marine Corps yet? First off, there is an enormous amount of red tape when getting out. I knew a guy who went, who was a Marine, I believe he's a Lance Corporal, got busted for pot, went through, managed to get himself through DAPA, which was the, uh, what was it, drug addiction program where you basically go through like a rehab. So he was convicted, I want to say, in December by his NJP. But because it was a drug-related offense, the Marine Corps had to administratively separate him. So this was December 2005. When I left for Iraq in... October of 2006, he was still on active duty, still waiting for all of his paperwork, his TAPS class, everything the Marine Corps had to provide to him and process him out almost a year later. So there's a big thing that people don't realize is that you don't just wake up and then you're out. Like you're convicted, you're out. That's not how this works. You can take someone as recently as Eddie Gallagher, Eddie um, went through all of his stuff and was able to retire, but he still had months after everything that happened to him before he was actually retired and a civilian again. Now, mind you, that was a far higher profile case as this will be. So can a senior officer who is a battalion commander violate the rules that are for all of us when it comes to social media and political posts about uniforms? No. Do I agree with the fact that he is right, that we do need to uh, have accountability on these flag officers and that there's a double standard? Absolutely. Let's talk about that for a second. So many flag officers... Historically, I would love somebody to leave a comment of the last flag officer. So what is a flag officer? A flag officer is a general officer, an admiral. So on the general side, you go from colonel, which we call a full bird colonel because their ranked insignia is a colonel, uh, uh, is not a colonel, it's a, (laughs) it's an eagle with its wings spread. The next rank above that is a brigadier general or a rear admiral lower half its color device is a star so what 
where do you get flag officers? Those type of officers typically when they are being escorted around, when they report to uh, subordinate commands. So let's take uh, 4th Recon Battalion. It falls under um, 4th Marine Division. 4th Marine Division has a one-star general. When the Brigadier General comes to 4th Recon Battalion to do a site inspection or a visit, he has a red flag with a white star raised on the flagpole signifying that there is a one-star general there, hence flag officers. I can't think of a single flag officer that has been truly held accountable for anything they've done as a flag officer. You can say, well, look at Admiral McCraven or not McCraven. Um, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank on the dude's name who the Army general who got uh, who got relieved for making comments about Obama. He was relieved and forced to retire. Guess what? He went on to serve under President Trump. He had a really good, high-paying, six-figure job with um, consulting firms. Uh, they don't face the same thing that we do. As an E7, if I was to make calls that got 13 Marine or 13 service members in the corpsman killed. I promise you, I would be facing some charges. Uh, as an O5, a, a major, the same thing would happen. Very rarely do we see our senior leadership, both on the enlisted side, and when I say senior enlisted, I literally mean uh, sergeant ma sergeants, majors, sergeants, major, and master chiefs, held to the specifically command master chiefs, fleet master chiefs, and uh, any of the service head or the service senior enlisted held to the same accountability. I can think of Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy, uh, Giordardo. He, if he was an E7 with the, with the allegations that were brought against him, he would have probably been non-judicially punished, if not administratively separated. But because he held that special position, he was forced to retire. He resigned his position and was forced to resign, retire. You can make an argument that that hurts them worse than taking legal action. I disagree. If you go back and you look, once you hit a flag officer or a very high level E9, because there are normal E9s and then there are command level E9s. So in the Navy, you have command master chiefs, uh, Typically in the Marine Corps, Sergeant Majors are very specifically the top guys at the command level. In the Army, um, you have Sergeant Majors, then you have Command Sergeant Majors. And Command Sergeant Majors all the way up the chain to the Command Sergeant Major of the Army. So you have these guys who are in what I'd call highly exalted positions who are forced to retire, but rare, 
very rarely do you see them held accountable for the actions that they took. And that's at the core of the lieutenant colonel's argument is if I did this, I would be going to Leavenworth. But they did this and they're A, kept in their positions of authority, meaning the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The He did specifically call out the Secretary of Defense, which I'm not going to say he's out of bounds in this particular argument because he is the civilian chief of all of our military. But when talking specific, specifically about the command structure, I, I would probably stop at the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The SecDef is a political appointee. Let's just put it that way. Um, if you're on your guys' team and to the point that you're getting, you know, appointed to Secretary of Defense, you're going to have to do a lot of messing up to be forced to resign by the president. And sadly, I the UCMJ does not apply to the um, Secretary of Defense. Now, it could technically apply to uh, the Secretary of Defense in the fact that um, Austin is a retired general. He is receiving pay and compensation for the military, which is another piece of the goddamn um, UCMJ that's messed up. If you are receiving retirement pay or compensation from the military and you are retired, you technically can still fall under the UCMJ. So this has just been like a quick overbrief. Do I think that this lieutenant colonel deserves to be in pretrial confinement? No. Do... I think he was an idiot and set himself up for a lot of pain by not at least taking off his uniform and making a social media post after the first one. I do think that that was a bad decision on his part. He could make the argument that he was not representing the Marine Corps when making those posts after the first one. So in the reason why I'm being very, very acutely aware of a differentiator between the first one and the one that got him landed in pre-trial confinement is very simple. He established his credibility and who he was as a Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel who was willing to put it all on the line and knew that he was going to put it all on the line in his first video. And the last one that looks like it got him slammed into pre-trial confinement he didn't need to do that. People who were watching those videos already knew who he was. His name was already a national, if not international name. And he probably could have saved himself some pretrial confinement because I think he was probably looking at some more on the lines of administrative discipline, uh, discipline disciplinary. God damn it, I can't talk. He was probably looking at the more disciplinary administrative actions versus actually being charged with a potential crime and knowing how the UCMJ works and seeing enough people go to captain's mast, the catch all article again, I don't remember for sure if it's article 93, I think it is, which is basically you're breathing funny. We're going to charge you with something can come back and bite you in the ass, depending on what the Marine Corps decides to actually charge him with. 
he is not going to go quietly into the night. That is one thing I've, by watching his videos and seeing who this Marine is, he will absolutely not go quietly into the night. That being said, I wish him luck. I really wish that we would have a, sec a non-political Secretary of Defense who would look at what he is saying and say, there is some stuff wrong here, and maybe we should look at this deeper. That being said, that is not the position that the Secretary of Defense holds. This position, and I hate to break it to everyone, the Secretary of Defense is a political appointee, typically of the same mentality and the same political party as the sitting President of the United States. Hence why uh, different things were done and different outcomes were expected under Bush's presidency versus with his Secretary of Defense versus Obama's presidency and his Secretary of Defense and Trump's presidency and Trump's Secretary of Defense. You do not make it to a cabinet-level position and go head-to-head -head with the guy who put you there. Where I give the colonel credit, and I said this to the selectees this weekend while I was training with the Navy, your collar devices are temporary. What makes those collar devices valuable are, is what's in you. Now, I could say that directly about the chief's anchor. Your anchors are temporary, but your, what makes you a chief will be with you forever. And I hope that this guy gets a fair shake. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know, and I didn't watch a lot of it, that the Joint Chiefs uh, specifically, or let me rephrase that, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Miley and General McKenzie sat in front of Congress along with Secretary of Defense Austin today. Um, I don't like doing these things, but this one seemed like it was important enough to post. So you guys, I got to ask again, do me a favor, like, subscribe, follow, do all of that. There may be, I may create a YouTube version of this one. I'm not 100% sure. Right now, this is all audio. So you guys, please go out there and comment on iTunes. It only helps build us. And to everyone who has listened to every episode, we are coming up on 52 straight weeks of putting out a podcast. Um, I may try to get a guest for next week and have Joey be the following week and make him the very first podcast we did and the, and the one-year anniversary podcast. On that note, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Talk to you guys later.